0: Men are built for the demands of life. The breadth of our shoulders bears the weight of responsibility in our homes. The depth of our voices projects strength to the world. And the length of our stride, our ambition, propels us toward career success. Man Up For Life is the coaching and speaking brand you need to reach the heights of your individual and organizational greatness. Responsibility, power, and ambition will cease to overwhelm you and begin to inspire you. To get started today, contact Demetrius Love at, manupforlife at Yahoo.com or at Man Up For Life across all social media platforms. Responsibility, power, ambition. Don't be overwhelmed. Be inspired. Start today. Thank me tomorrow. star
1: is No, no, don't change it. Don't change. It. You saw how Tim changed, Vita. <laughs> He's you like he heard jump. recording. He was like, As "You hit the jump." <laughs> I know, bro. Like some of this no, natural
2: stuff. Like I be trying to no, slide it No, this <laughs>
0: natural stuff don't belong nowhere yes, on it the do. upload. Yes, it do. yes, it do. boy. Don't you? Do I that. feel
2: Jason. Thank I agree you, with Jason. Appreciate uh, your, Appreciate your You'd be surprised. Energy. Yes, You'd be surprised man. what you catch and what you could, what you can clip out that you yep. can
1: actually Yeah, you know,
2: it, it'll be fun. Like, he'll, he'll, and he'll I think it's part things. of. Yeah,
1: I'll be tasteful or whatever. But the <laughs> thing is, like, it's part of connectivity. Oh,
0: those dudes are real people.
2: Exactly. I want. I'm going to put some Jason. Great call, Jason.
0: Vita Star is executive producer. Exactly, she needs to be all over this joint.
2: How many titles are you guys gonna give me? Yo, just we're trying to give
1: you hints, like yeah. So uh, next time we meet, next time we had the production meeting, let let me know when we we
2: like. We're trying to drop some
1: some not so subtle hints, like yo, we appreciate you and we want you a part of this this move.
2: I mean, I'm down.
0: Hello and welcome to episode 37 of the Motown Philly podcast. I'm your co-host, Tim Golden, here with my co-host. It's your boy, Jason Hall. What up, though? What up, though? That wonderful Detroit colloquialism. Jason Hall's the Motown in Motown Philly from the Motor City, Detroit, Michigan. Talking is yours truly. Tim Golden from Philly, the city of brotherly love, the Philly in the Motown Philly podcast. And we are here today with episode 37. That's right. You heard it right. 37, Jay, 37 weeks straight. We have not missed one week of our podcast. We started 37 weeks ago. And so, Jason, we've been going for 37 weeks strong. Why don't you go ahead and tell all of our listeners how thankful we are for their support? Yo, we got 37 weeks strong of thankfulness and
1: gratitude that I and we are so happy and proud of. You guys are our backbone. And when in this segment, we just say we're thankful for, for the gratefulness that we have for the family and culture that we're creating, the movement that is Motown Philly, where we stress our best to you guys, communication, connection, and community. We're grateful for the Facebook group and the conversations that are sparked there for each and every listener and every single minute that you spend listening in your own personal time to us, whether you're on the go or whether you're sitting at home on those Sunday mornings when this thing drops or Sunday afternoon, you guys are there for us. So we're extremely grateful.
0: Just grateful. Thank you so much yes yes indeed yes indeed the gratitude game is real gratitude mm-hmm. is the best medicine thanks you thank you all for your support please keep listening keep down keep downloading and subscribe keep sharing because you all are the engine that makes us go here at motown philly so here we are on episode 37 and we have a great topic tonight and the topic that we have is purity culture and communication purity culture what is it how does it impact communication how does it impact connection and how does it impact community well here with us to discuss this. And Jason, there's few things in life that make me more excited than the fact that this is 37 weeks straight that we've been doing the podcast. And one of them is our, not our guest. She was our guest a few weeks ago. Tonight, she is our guest host, and she is just an integral part of what we do here at Motown Philly, officially, unofficially, it doesn't matter. Join with me in welcoming the lovely, magnificent, fabulous, stupendous Vita Star. Vita, thank you so much for coming back to Motown (laughs) Philly to hang with us. We love you, girl. (laughs) Thank you. you. Yeah, we love you. We appreciate you. We just want y'all, our listeners, to know that if if you want to go back, we highly recommend that you go back a few episodes and listen to the episode that we did on trauma and communication. It is there that you will hear Vita Star really, really. You'll you'll hear her in her element. She is a pro. She is a trauma educator, and she's just an all around fabulous, dope human being. And Vita, again, we're just so happy to have you with us tonight. And and I'm going to come back to you in a second because I want to introduce our topic and then see if we can't get the conversation going. Get it popping. So let's go. So check this out. So purity culture, right? There's a lot of people who know that phrase, who understand that phrase and what it means. And Jason, I think for you and I, and I think for Vita too, this topic is sort of right up our alley because purity culture is a phenomenon from, I would say the 1990s, the early to mid 1990s, and certainly early into the, uh, into the early 2000s. And it's a phenomenon in which a lot of mainstream evangelical Protestant churches were beating the drum of premarital celibacy, and they were beating that drum in a way that some 30 years later, a lot of people are reflecting on it and seeing that it did a lot of harm. There's been a lot of books written about it. So what would happen is you had a lot of mainstream evangelical Protestant churches that were talking about how important it was to be celibate before marriage and this ended up resulting in lots of cultural phenomenon like uh, church kids taking purity pledges and Uh, getting chastity rings and saying i'm not going to have sex or compromise my sexuality until i get married is a question of whether having sex outside of marriage is compromising or complementing your sexuality we'll get to that in a few minutes but the point is there were a lot of rituals associated with it there were rituals there was a lot of rhetoric a lot of the rhetoric sort of in in, in some ways, demonized uh, women and told women that, you know, you shouldn't dress a certain way because if you do, you're becoming a temptress to young men and so forth and so on. And this plays itself out through just about all of evangelical Christianity. And it had some specific manifestations that I think all three of us know about in black churches. Because, you know, nobody does Christianity better than black people who are trying to outdo white Christians. I think we tend wow. to do it. We wow. tend to be more faithful to some of the nonsense than whites are. Right? Mm-hmm. And so I I happen to think that purity culture, is a scam. It was and is in some ways a scam that was really done in a way to recruit young people to become evangelical conservatives politically. I, think, I don't think it was a religious movement at all. I think it was a political movement in religious garb designed to market the message of social conservatism to whites and i think in the process because it wasn't really about sexual purity in the first place it manifested itself in all these sexual dysfunctions that not only hurt young girls but that hurt young boys too because it ends up telling boys that their sexuality at the age when they start to go through puberty and that sort of thing that there's something wrong with having a sexual desire and so forth so that's what I think about it Vita talk to us a little bit about your thoughts on purity culture and and how things look for purity culture from your perspective
2: well what's interesting is I had until you said what you said I actually had a whole Other thing I was thinking about In regards to religion and purity culture Um I, I would say the My first thought was more so The aftermath Of what you're talking about But I really want to talk about What you Just said And include How that looks for black people
3: mm-hmm.
2: And what do I mean by that Is it wasn't just that they were pushing this purity culture. It was that white women were pure,
3: ooh, mm.
2: and black people were hypersexual. Yes. they were. The, the men were going to attack their pure white women, but guess what? Black women could be raped legally.
1: Mm. Like I like the I like where uh, so I see what you're what you're kind of unpacking. Um, you know me out like as you say that help put some language around that like as far as the rhetoric that kind of made that you know that so, really come together
2: okay so if, if we take it back to this idea of let's, let's talk about slavery and then let's talk about jim crow right and lynching right mm-hmm. so we know for a fact that black women's bodies did not belong to them right it belonged to the men that owned them Mm -hmm. they could do whatever they wanted with them they were raping them abusing them in whatever way because they weren't pure there was this idea that black bodies and black women I hate when I say black bodies think about my college professors I hated how they talked but I literally mean black bodies (laughs) our bodies um, we were considered to be scientifically the scientists said this right that we were hypersexual we were unintelligent and hypersexual these are the descriptions of the negroid right mm-hmm. versus the mongoloid versus the caucasoid right mm-hmm. the negroid was hypersexual and the idea was that wh- black women could not be raped because we were already sexual We right. couldn't be so they, they, that, that was their essentially this belief that white men Um, both during slavery and even after because in some places there was something called the paramour law right Um, where white men could rape black women with impunity so so this idea that we weren't pure but white women were pure and if a black man so much as looked at her in, in a way that they felt was disrespectful they could hang him from a tree
0: Witness witness Emmett Till
2: Emmett Till's Perfect example Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right that's the That's the one story most people know But he's one of many Right
3: Mm
2: -hmm. And so When you talked about purity And evangelist like this Evangelical idea and it being this white Conservative um, idea It made me think of all of that That's what made me think of that we're just these Hypersexual beings who can't really be raped because we already want to have sex.
0: Wow, All right, black women. That's- yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm sorry, Vidi. Go ahead.
2: So, but it made me think of how racist this idea of sexual purity is. I didn't even think about it that way until you started talking. Then what I was thinking about mm-hmm. was when we first talked about this being a topic. Is my experience in the ev- evangelical church? I was raised p- Pentecostal and they strongly especially evangelicals it's the same thing because we had evangelists that would preach and teach a bunch of nonsense conservative nonsense and um i remember being afraid of sex and so my experience with how i was taught about sex was essentially it doesn't exist until you're married <laughs> Wow. And I walked around believing that most people lived this way. And then I got to high school and I realized most people didn't live that way. I thought everybody else was outliers in middle school. And then in high school, I realized, oh, wait a minute, people have sex. Like the idea of waiting till marriage wasn't even the idea of most people I- around me. And I didn't even, most people in my family didn't wait till marriage, right? My grandmother didn't wait till marriage. <laughs> she had two kids out of wedlock. Mm-hmm. I found this out later, <laughs> right? Um... Same thing with my, my other grandmother. She had her first child out of wedlock. And my grandfather is the one that married her, right? So this idea that you wait till marriage was literally what I thought most people were doing and I found out that wasn't real life. So imagine how unprepared I was when I turned about, you know, 18, 19, 20, 21. And I hit the dating scene. I like, mm. for real hit the dating scene. I definitely wasn't dating in high school for multiple reasons. Part of it was purity culture this fear of dating you know god has to give you this person that you're supposed to fall in love with and marry them and leave through with the rest of your life right um and that's the only person you're like you're ever supposed to have sex right. with, right ever <laughs> you're supposed to die only having had sex with this one person i believe that's how the world actually worked so then when i went to the dating scene i got very hard lessons things i wasn't prepared for I was very underdeveloped, and through that underdevelopment, it put me in some very dangerous and unhealthy situations. We don't consider that part of purity culture. We send our children out here underdeveloped to be able to go out into the world, not really knowing how the world. I don't mean like how sex works, right? That's going to be a challenge regardless, We're all When you're especially when you're young, right? I'm talking about understanding the dynamics, and interactions of the people that you plan to be partners with. Right Like I had no awareness To the point where I didn't know the codes For certain things I didn't know come over and watch a movie Was something different <laughs> Than watch a movie
3: right. And
2: I ended up in a very dangerous situation And I does not excuse what he did to me Or was attempting to do to me But I also Didn't have a concept I didn't have any awareness I didn't know what the red flags were I had no clue I was completely blindsided and I felt... And, and most people don't believe, especially as a girl, that you're that person. Especially growing up in the hood. Like, people don't really believe. They're like, oh no, you just faking, pretending to be some innocent little lamb type thing. Girls are always pretending and fronting or whatever. I wasn't pretending. I didn't know anything. <laughs> I knew nothing about sex. I wasn't one of the girls at church who... Fronted and then was sucking dick behind the church. I wasn't that. I wasn't that one. Right. Mm-hmm. That's what they. That's what they assume all church girls are like. Right. I was an actual church girl.
0: You, you, you genuinely didn't really know.
2: I really didn't know.
0: Right.
2: So <laughs> to me, it's like that purity culture is very unhealthy. Um, and then when certain things happened, I was in certain positions, I was so scared to have sex. I thought something was wrong with me. And the first time I did have sex, I felt so guilty. Mm-hmm. I wanted to die. I thought I had just committed the worst act you could possibly have committed. And I was 21 years old. 21! Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I still felt like I had done something wrong. It took me a long time to get past that.
1: I have a question. You know- as as we were moving forward, I was really, as we moved through this, delicate but very important topic like
2: I'm very open so don't worry I'm fine <laughs> no,
1: I, I guess my question is more or less like did we know this was purity culture well like like did we know this was a thing like I feel like we we now get to look back and say that thing was called purity culture. And this is what it was doing to us, or this is what it has done to us and or done to society of those who were affected or came to some type of interaction with purity
0: culture. Well, I don't want to call myself a prophet or say (laughs) I was ahead of my time. (laughs) But in the 90s, -hmm. I remember being highly suspicious Uh, I I said to myself 30 years ago, I said, you know, nothing makes me more nervous than an overzealous white Christian. And I used to listen to, and you know this, Jason, you may know this too, Vita, focus on the family, the radio programs, the way you the, yeah, Kenneth Copeland, the way they were filtered into black churches, the way you could turn on TBN and you could see Kenneth Copeland with the whinings, and they would be singing. And I was never comfortable.
2: That's how I discovered that Smokey Robinson gangbanging song. Right. Wait, right. wait, 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 wait. <laughs> chick. What? You don't know about smokey robinson's song gang banging
1: like you're gonna have to sing a bar like who got a bar like smokey,
2: smokey robinson Smoke. gang, gang, gang Them, Tim no
1: know he know it too go ahead and get a, give us the bar tim
0: Look, let me just let me just say to you that in the 90s i had i never had i always thought james dobson was fake I always thought Kenneth Copeland was fake because I always thought they were about politics. I never thought they were about religion.
2: John Hagee and all that. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, John Hagee, all of them. I always thought they were Pat Robertson. I Mm -hmm. always thought they were (laughs) about trying to use Christianity to build a white empire. I I always thought that. And what really um, sealed the deal for me was when all of my intellectual sort of suspicions were really put on paper when Cornell West, Cornel West published Democracy Matters in 2004. There's a chapter in that book called The Crisis of Christian Identity in America, and in that chapter, he distinguishes between what he calls Constantinian Christianity and prophetic Christianity. Because what always got to me was, wait a minute, Dr. King was a Christian too, but he ain't talking like y'all, right? Dr. King is a Christian and he's preaching, he's Baptist, right? So they don't get, you don't get no more Christian than that. And yet James Dobson and the so all they could talk about was abortion. And I always thought. That there was something sneaky about them. And then when I read, I remember reading about Cornell West, and then I started reading a few other things. Then I went back to graduate school. And then all the things you talked about, Vita, started coming back to me. Wait a minute. This is just a way to reinscribe all the racism of Jim Crow and the post Reconstruction era onto contemporary 21st century life. The only women who are really pure, as you pointed out, are white women. Black women are in a perpetual state of consent because they're already hypersexual and all black men are gonna do is rape. And so I never thought, like, I mean, I'm not gonna say that I understood it as purity culture at the time, Uh but I was never comfortable, I, I have never been comfortable with white Christians who are so zealous on any one issue and who use religion or Christianity as a cover for their own political agendas. I was never comfortable with that. But as this is what I'm hearing,
1: y'all, and this might be what I'm, y'all we are saying, is this, Is it something to think that purity culture is equal to a whitewashing, uh, a whitewashing of 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 like mind, thoughts and ideas when it comes to sex and it's just kind of, And but it but also when it comes to just like like what you said like building kind of like a the white empire in reverse i don't know but it's just like purity culture whitewashing like kind of like brainwashing at the same time uh with its roots in talking about what is sexual and how to come like have control if you will and it's just like hmm that's a little that's a little uh, I don't know it, it just, it doesn't feel doesn't feel right but it also kind of feels like that's kind of what it was at the same time I don't know
2: I mean it kind of when you say it that way it almost sounds far fetched but then when you get the pattern of just American history it doesn't <laughs> I mean Donald Trump sounded far fetched as a president I'm sure back oh, in 1990 oh my goodness you know so a lot of things might sound like they would be far-fetched until you see january 6th happen right um wow so i hear i so i definitely think it does sound like a little like dang that sounds cr- like crazy but at the same time it doesn't right even if you look at like representations um in media right um i don't know how to phrase this because without well, sounding like i'm Caping for period culture because I'm not But this is the sort of framing that I got growing up In uh, In regards to like pop culture Black culture, hip hop culture And How that Culture was against God Right? And God's culture Because that's what evangelical um, That's what evangelicals teach Essentially mm-hmm. And so you live in this constant state of, state of fear of sex Because you're seeing Oh everything else is over sexualized right Um, everybody else is over sex look at what the world is doing Um, and at the same time I look at representation today and almost when you look at like Grammy awards and things like that I don't really watch I don't watch award shows sometimes I see the clips of the performers right 90% of the black female performers have their clothes off 90% of the white female performers do not
3: Mm-hmm.
2: They don't Not at least, And definitely not to the extent you have like a Taylor Swift I saw a video of Taylor Swift And she's just skipping around like she's on the Disney channel and shit <laughs> You know <laughs> now, I'm not saying we should be like Taylor Swift I think she's corny and I think she feeds into the Sort of like this purity culture and I think that's part of why she's popular Um Not saying that she's advocating for virginity or anything like that I'm just saying that she's sort of like the innocent White girl sort of representation mm-hmm. Um but yet you have somebody who's, uh, even like Beyonce now, she's getting more and more naked, right? Um, you have a Meg Thee Stallion, you have, a uh, Chloe Bailey, you have, uh, you know, like a lot of our artists, you're seeing them more and more naked, <laughs> right? Um, not to say that that's good or bad. I'm not making a judgment on that, but I am pointing out these are the constant representations that, get- that you're getting. And so that also feeds into this, like, oh, White women are this pure angelic creature who can just stand there and sing without having to rip clothes off, <laughs> you know? Whereas black women where you you know, you gotta see her clothes off. They won't even it's like almost like they won't even put you on stage unless you're gonna take your clothes off, right? Um, uh, and then pretend like it's a statement. So, but also I wanted to answer your other question, Jason. Um at the time i didn't see it as purity culture i didn't know that was a word mm-hmm. but the concept of it i think when i was taking classes in college because i to call, I, so I graduated high school in 2002 went to college around that time graduated from college in 2007 so early 2000s um, to mid 2000s is like my college years mm-hmm. and during that time It was a lot of feminism Really boiling high In sort of the university curriculum mm-hmm. And a lot of that was Anti-purity culture Without y- really using that term Right I would even say that they tried to Flex it as though Sex is some sort of Fix-all <laughs> Right it's Some sort of representation of freedom Mm-hmm. Um, which I thought to to, 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 to to a point where I think it's extreme, right? Where I also don't think they're really teaching healthy boundaries and healthy ways of interacting, right? Mm-hmm. Just saying, oh, men are rapists and you know you are you have every right to just be, you know, as sexual as you want. Those are the only two concepts you are ever taught, right? Mm-hmm. Not to say that those concepts are necessarily wrong, but you're not necessarily taught anything else in regards to, well, still what does it mean to interact in certain spaces? Yeah, right.
1: The, nu- the nuances of the nuances, right. Connection.
2: Yeah. So that felt like I also didn't really get so I didn't so pretty culture was demonized for sure, even though that term wasn't necessarily used. But I also feel like you got this sort of um idea that somehow hypersexualization was also your freedom as a woman.
0: Sex and, in the City think, was
1: made around that time.
2: Yeah, that's, yeah. that's like the late '90s. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: and and I think I think there's a couple things going on here because Vita makes the point about feminism, and one of the things we haven't really accounted for is the racial origins of feminism, and at least in the United States and what showed itself up I think in a lot of university curriculums that Vita just pointed out was this idea that men are going to rape you, men in the abstract and what this sort of abstraction does is it recasts black men as inherently rapists who are going to do you harm and who are going to uh, to going to uh, take away your freedom and your autonomy when the reality is that black um, black men are were often on the receiving end of sexual uh, of sexual violence both during slavery and afterwards mm-hmm. and yes, so say that So so that's that's one side of it right But the other side of it, and this is the slickness, this is the sheer slickness of purity culture and what it does. It manages to protect white people and their desire to build white racial empire. And on the other hand, it's able to demonize black art and remain completely unaccountable for the conditions that produced it. So what do you have in the nineties? You got gangster rap, you got hip hop, you got B.I.G. You got Lil' Kim, you got the song that really could be the American national anthem unofficially, money, power, respect, Lil' Kim and the locks. And so all that black culture is given back to America through gangster rap is a reflection of the gangsters that helped produce them by putting them in ghettos. But all of that critique is lost in the midst of this desire to absolve whites of responsibility for the world that they have created and for the ghettos in which they have put black people and they're all they're able to do all of it in the name of jesus
1: listen i'm having a thought based on what you're saying chick like if you think about that time in the mid to late 90s when you mention those particular artists and music and i think about maybe the unintentional but intentional like like rhetoric that kind of came against uh purity culture although we didn't know it but there were things that were out that like we forget about the like like luke like luke skywalker like was it in in the in the song all his songs were hyper were hyper sexualized as maybe some type of reaction to what was purity culture and don't forget what's about to drop i believe tomorrow the freak neat that used to happen in atlanta wow oh. now we got aunties and moms they're like yo we professionals now we all ain't supposed to show like there was some time there was To every action, there is an opposite and equal reaction, whether it's conscious or unconscious. But in culture, we see it, especially in hindsight. And it's just like what you were saying; it just kind of popped, like it popped off some real. Because Luke and we all was getting to that, and you you pair that with Freaknik in Atlanta during the mid nineties, it was off the
0: chiseling. Me so horny and all of that. Listen. Let me, let me just say this. Here's the other piece. The piece that Vita brought up is, is fascinating too. Mm -hmm. So purity culture is able to achieve all of this. And then on the back end, it's able to come back and still I'm going to make up this word on the spot, still sluttify black women, make black women look like strumpets and make certain industry demands. So black women look quote unquote, more relatable, And meanwhile, Taylor Swift is up there looking like a Victorian princess, right? So think about the the, the demonization of black women, the demonization of black men. The demonization of black artistic productions, which are nothing more than creative reflections on the society that produced them. And whites are able to build their empire and simultaneously avoid all responsibility for anything that they may have done along the way. That's wrong and make money from it. And get oh, paid
2: tons of like that, that's un- the money that un- untold they're told money. And, and also, I want to add this too. I'm really talking about the representation, right? The reality is they have just as much sex as anybody
0: else, right? And they're doing it.
2: I, like the, I. There was Freak Nick and there was all these other parties going on in Miami, full of white people,
1: right? Mala and all all of, this.
2: they had a documentary about Woodstock '99. I remember Woodstock. that documentary, right? Um, there was a lot of things. Whenever they show you like the the, the 1960s sexual revolution, There's a lot of white folks out there. <laughs>
1: right? but that was that was looked at. That's looked back on as cool, and and it's cool. Cu- it was culturally like, yeah, that's just what we did because we were finding ourselves because we were coming out of this movement, you know?
2: right now. This is also what the evangelicals use They use the, that footage to like Build up their empires right They'll say look, look at what happened in the 60s You know um, But the reality is That everybody's Like every we're, we're not more sexual Or less sexual these are, these are just images that are being used to justify Build like you the said They want to build up their evangelical spaces And at the same time use to justify okay. how we get treated Where men are rapists And black women have to fight like hell To even be recognized in the court of law After being raped Especially by a white man
0: Right? That's right and that's why I don't get excited Every March when they talk about Oh women's history month or a couple years ago It was oh the 100th uh, In in 2020 100 years since the ratification of the 19th amendment Black women didn't get the right to vote in 1920
2: And let's Exactly and let's add this too a lot of you talk about what feminism was built off of early women's rights activists suffragettes a lot of them what if they were campaigning on was that black men will rape us
0: Yep,
2: exactly. <laughs> that was their campaign
0: Black right. men are going to rape us, and we want political solidarity with white men. Exactly. All black men do, and Jason, you know this too, from the culture, the religious culture that we come from. Mm-hmm. What do we talk about, uh, Vita? In in the denomination, Jason and I are in, is nobody more authentic than some of the whites in this denomination. Because you know what they did? And they did this in the 19th century, too. Uh, come out, a lot of Christians in the 19th century during the Reconstruction, post-Reconstruction era, would talk about temperance. And we don't want to drink. And we're not going to drink alcohol. And it's our abstention from alcohol that makes us holy. and makes us uh, makes us a, a people fit for God's kingdom. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, as you pointed out, Vita, suffragettes, white women like elizabeth katie stanton and susan b anthony came out and they were saying things like white women should get the right to vote before black men why because we're cultured we're sophisticated we're educated all black men know how to do is drink smoke and rape white women Yep. You don't deserve the right to vote. And these are white women. Check this out, y'all. These are white women who supported the abolition of slavery. So there's a lot of whites who will come on board and try to absolve themselves and say, wait a minute, you know, the Seventh-day Adventist church founders, they supported abolition. That doesn't mean you can't still be racist.
2: A lot of that's the thing people don't understand. A lot of people supported abolition, but were still very much racist. Right? Yes! That's not because you could still think slavery in itself is wrong and still hate black people. In fact, I would, if you did a poll, most people, maybe with a few exceptions would say slavery was wrong. But if you ask them about something else, like the prison, something about their incarceration and prison system, the just the criminal justice systems, lock them Negroes up. I'm saying Negroes to be kind mm-hmm. will be the first thing out they freaking mouths right Can I, I, don't, I, I can't remember if I can cuss on here or not but
0: no, go for it
2: okay you get my vote <laughs> but Vita,
0: hey, 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 just Vita, do you Vita, do you
2: <laughs> okay but 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 that's my that's what I'm saying so like you know these same people today would be like slavery is wrong but yet they're over there defending a man who just shot a kid in the head for knocking on his door
0: Right, right, and and curiously, all this time in the mid nineties, Vida, you you know, I, I know you know this because you this is from your hometown. Do you remember Latasha Harkins, Harlan? The young yeah, girl? Harlan. Yeah, yeah, the young girl she was shot in the head for getting some some uh, orange juice, and they the Vietnamese lady yeah. thought she was stealing it. Was she Vietnamese or Korean?
2: Uh, I don't remember. She might have been Chinese, actually.
0: Okay, may have been Chinese. I, you know, here's the thing, you can tell fake Christians by the causes that they choose. All the all the purity culture was concerned about politically was abortion. Nobody was concerned about uh, the war on drugs. Nobody was ever concerned about police brutality. Nobody was ever concerned about any of that. They just wanted to build white racial empire. And the best way to do that is to ignore what's happening to black people who you don't care about anyway. And then when black people have a creative response to the ghettos that white civilization has put them in and to the situations in which they have to live and try to thrive, you wanna turn around and demonize that. But then you really like to look at black women scantily clad. So you go ahead and you put them on stage and you do all of this. And as Vita said at the beginning, the only thing that comes out pure from purity culture is white women.
2: Exactly. Exactly. We, and, we, and
0: we, they, talk, we talk about, um
1: I don't know, maybe modern day Taylor Swift. But I think about, you know, like the I don't know, late 90s, early 2000s, like Celine Dion was was the Taylor Swift if you will Like you ain't never see her Out the act of the fool
0: oh, So let's, <laughs> let's, yo, let's Listen let's shift gears Let's talk about because Let's talk about the community So we've been talking about the communication Right what message is being sent Right so we have Communication let's talk About the kinds of connections That are the kinds of dysfunctional Connections mm-hmm that resulted from purity culture right and and i i'll start with myself i'll be a little vulnerable you you meet somebody and vita you you said it so nicely the 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 message of purity culture is oh you meet this one person they're your soulmate, you fall in love with them that you get married you have children that's the only person you ever have sex with in your whole life and everybody will live happily ever after But you know what happens sometimes? And Jason, you and I talk about this a lot in in Christian spaces. We deal with this problem of a couple not having sex before marriage and then getting married and not having sex while married either. (laughs) Right? And, and oh, the joys! Oh, the joys and, of marriage! And and, and I want to talk about on the other side Jeez. of our break. On the other side of our break, I want to pick up here and talk about how the dysfunctional communication of purity culture leads to dysfunctional connections in personal relationships. We'll pick up here on the other side. Hello, Motown Philly family. You all need to know that this podcast is sponsored by The Speaker's Mechanic. The Speaker's Mechanic is a business enterprise of my co-host, Jason Hall, who is a communication skills coach, and he's also published author of a book called A Vocal Owner's Manual. He works with professionals who are looking to improve their communication skills, and I guarantee you that if you work with him, he will improve yours. Check out his book on Amazon. Again, it's called a vocal owner's manual, and you will be certain once you check him out to improve and get better because here at Motown Philly, that's what we're all about. And that's what his brand, The Speakers Mechanic, is all about. Thanks so much for tuning in and thanks to The Speakers Mechanic for this sponsorship. All right, welcome back to episode 37 of the Motown Philly podcast. We're talking about communication, connection, community in the context of purity culture. And just before the break, we were talking about this problem of how purity culture translates into relationship, sexual dysfunction within marriage. And I think Jason and Vita, one of the problems is that what we consider to be marriage today is not necessarily what marriage was considered to be in bible times. Mm -hmm. Today, marriage is really about legal rights becoming or belonging to a person concretely. So when we say I don't want to have sex until marriage today, what we're really saying is, I don't want to have sex until I'm legally protected. That's really what we're saying. And think about how inadequate that is for the emotional complexity of a sexual relationship, right? And for all the level of commitment and responsibility and sharing and caring, all of the purity culture says to hell with all of that, right? all we want to do is make sure you don't have sex before marriage. Then you get before marriage, then you get married legally. But emotionally, you're still miles apart. Mm -hmm. So emotionally, I mean, who whose whose relationship do y'all think is is more moral? A couple who genuinely cares for one another. They love each other they have a sexual relationship that's monogamous, but they've never been legally married, or the couple who's been legally married, had the big wedding, had all their friends as bridesmaids and groomsmen, and they're married. And now they, since they don't really, you know, it's all they wanted to do was get married to legitimize sex. Now they're getting married and they're having sex, but they don't really care about each other. Because they've never been taught or shown how to care about each other mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so i like to tell church folks the people in the second example are legally married but they're still they're fornicating
2: and also this idea that you know Sex is something that has to only occur with this person because you're giving them you're you you're giving yourself to them.
1: Say that. Say stay right there. Stay there, giving yourself. Mm-hmm.
2: Go for it. Mm-hmm. As for though it. you're giving yourself up. Like you're something like, like that, like doesn't even if you really think about it, it really makes absolutely no sense. But it's almost like you at least I believed this because this is what I was taught. This is mm-hmm. what I was, you know, raised to believe that you're not supposed to have sex with anyone else especially as a girl especially as a woman um because your husband should know you have never been with anyone else you didn't give yourself away mm-hmm. to other men as old well, pieces of you are left behind uh, yeah
1: mm-hmm.
2: that's the language something.
1: they tell you
2: <laughs> <Go for laughs> right <it. laughs> which isn't even real it's not reality it's not it's it, it, I mean, once you become a sexually active person you realize half that shit it's not You'll, you'll be fine like, You're not going to die Unless you didn't protect yourself We're protection people um, <laughs> no, I sound crazy You're going to die If you don't use protection um, <laughs> I'm not saying that But no seriously um, A lot of What I was conditioned to believe About sex Had a lot to do with What I was taught to believe About my body That it was supposed to belong To this other person and you're giving yourself to this person especially I don't know if boys are taught that but I know girls are taught that so some things you know and when you have sex with someone else pieces of you are somehow like gone like you're less of a woman now you're Mm -hmm. less of a whole person Mm -hmm. because you had sex Mm -hmm. and it's that's a very scary thing to think about Cause now you're thinking, well, am I not giving something to my husband? D- is that what that means now? That's what I that's what I was afraid of once I had sex for the first time. I knew I wasn't gonna marry this guy. Mm-hmm. You know? But at the same time, I felt like if I don't marry him, then I just gave part of myself away.
1: Yeah, you're so- creating psychological and emotional like conundrums, if you will, in yourself when it comes to um, just that thought process, whether before the act or after the act of sex, and you continue to carry forward, um, whether it's, whether it's in the person you marry or the next person you're with that. Yeah, you, we we were taught, I believe we were taught the same way. The thing is like, these things were taught to us. They weren't often literal or, or, They were figurative and they weren't like there wasn't a book but there was it was just like it was very heavy uh, overtones to both from what my understanding both males and females so what you were saying vita is the same thing that i heard if it wasn't direct it was it was like a translation or interpretation like yeah i don't i give myself away it's not a sharing it's not a shared experience right It's, it's which I believe is the more healthier term because giving yourself away doesn't land well after the fact, especially if you two are not going to be together, um, after the act of sex, whether married or not, like I've given, I've spent half my life, say you're married and half my life with somebody, God forbid they die. Now it's just like I d did, I didn't gave half myself to so this now <laughs> right. what am I gonna do with the rest of the half of my <laughs> life? I, I, I done gave it all away. Like the yo, stay present with yourself, people. Like that's 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 what I've I've learned in, in my in my maturation.
2: But even hey, if,
0: I, I'm sorry, no, no, go ahead, Vita. no, go ahead, Vita. I'm just sorry. really
2: quickly, I was gonna say, even in modern terms, I hear young people say, you know, giving it up, giving, you know, you're giving it away. Um and, I, and as though you know sex, and it's specifically it's often talked about girls or women giving sex to men, like as though you're giving something to him, and it's and as opposed to what you just talked about, it being a shared experience for both. Right? Mm-hmm. It's like oh, you gave him, you know, you gave him. Uh, it's I, for some reason I feel weird just saying cursing and stuff. Cuss, but uh, yeah,
1: just go ahead, and cuss. <laughs>
2: <laughs> like basically, you know, you gave him the pussy and all this stuff, as though this wasn't a shared experience between the two individuals in the act, right? Um, that this was something that you're giving to him and doesn't is it this isn't an experience that you get to also enjoy. Oh, you gave it up and all you got was this.
3: Mm-hmm. What?
2: all what I got was sex. I thought that was the whole point, mm-hmm. right? Um as well, that's supposed to get something else? Like I, I don't understand, right?
0: I think um, it's the
1: condition it's the general or traditional conditioning of the thought or act
0: of sex. And it should be a shared experience. Um, yeah, I mean, instead of the idea that both of you received something, right? It's this false idea that one of you is giving something.
2: Yes. And, and it's not
0: equal. And, and it's it's not. It's not equal. It's not reciprocal. But can I just say this? Y'all we talk about communication and connection? I just want to say a word about the kinds of dysfunctional communities that are structured around the impurities of purity culture. Mm -hmm. Jay, I'm not trying to put you on front street, man. But the two of us, let's be honest. Vita, Jason and I connected and forged our friendship in the crucible of highly dysfunctional ideas about a what a Christian man was supposed to do when he was married and our community the community that Jason the community between Jason and I that has evolved into this extraordinary brotherhood and friendship I mean a friendship is is true but that's almost putting it too mildly right Jason is like a brother to me so the brotherhood that jason and i share has come a long way from all the way from the inauthenticity of two black men in a christian community who are married and who are looking at each other and saying to one another why aren't we having sex with our wives something ain't right here something i mean what jason am i lying right
1: uh, no i mean we I mean, the right. the conversations in in the back room were just like bro, how you doing like how, are you okay hey, hey, look,
0: bro, how you holding <laughs> up? like how was your, your like yo tim how was your week dog i'm like i don't know you know, I don't going, know. And, and i mean and and so and you talk about i mean so much of what's out now about purity culture is about how women have been damaged, white women, black women. And I get it. You know, all of that's true. What I think is less focused on is the dysfunctions that so many men have had to face and the shame that men have had to face about desiring sex, right? Even desiring sex from your spouse right the the mantra in in a lot of black churches is happy wife happy life um bro stop if if she don't want to do it you just got to get over it if she don't want to get do it you just got to get closer to jesus y'all need to have worship yeah y'all need to have worship more you just need to pray a little harder brother hang in there you know she so what she talked to you any old kind of way maybe she talked hired. You're the man. You're supposed to stand up and lead.
1: Uh, yeah, you ain't leading right. You know, you're not the, being a the priest of your home. What haven't you done?
0: Damn, what have I done? <laughs> and, and I mean, the dysfunction is like it's almost like you become incapable of seeing your spouse as a sexual being. And instead your spouse becomes and, and then you start to feel guilty because you know, as a man, you get frustrated, and your spouse becomes just another impediment to your sexual satisfaction. Then you feel bad. Like I should, I feel bad because I want to have sex, and I want to have sex with my wife. Like, what's wrong? That is sick. That's sick. Thickening. Yeah, and it's funny you say
2: a lot of. I'm listening to a lot of what you just said, and um, and Jason agreeing. A very, <laughs> his head's gonna fall off from nodding so hard. <laughs> Um, (laughs) But um, It's interesting because I feel like I grew up Kind of hearing similar things being taught To men you know like Mm -hmm. in church and Preaching or whatever Mm -hmm. and um, This idea that There isn't Something that the two of you I've always been a strong believer that um, If someone doesn't want to have sex if, If there's a sexual problem in the Relationship then There's something deeper going on Right like maybe we are just maybe we're compatible maybe someone is tired but maybe they're tired because they feel like you don't pull your weight around the house or maybe the other person is just you know whatever there's there's multiple Mm -hmm. reasons why that might be the case i find it really messed up that i've heard this that somehow it's put on the man as not being the man something must be wrong with you why your woman won't have sex with you Mm-hmm. it can't be that something's just wrong in the situation or maybe something else maybe there's something medically wrong with her Th- that's the other thing you're not even allowed to even probably even go there mm-hmm. right you know something's wrong with you um you didn't do something right you're not a leader what do you mean because other because keep in mind boys at least from what i have been able to gather from the boys that i've been around and how the conversations that i've heard are often sort of conditioned to believe that their ability to satisfy women sexually is a part of their manhood, right? It's a part of what makes them a man. Mm -hmm. And if a woman doesn't want to have sex with you, the woman doesn't want to give you her attention, if a woman doesn't want to give you... If you can't pull all these girls, then something must be wrong with you. So if you can't even Mm -hmm. pull your own wife, what's wrong with you, right? Right.
0: Exactly. (laughs) Wow. Yes, Vida. Yo, yo. That's a Vita, bar. Vita is we gonna have to we gonna have to call this Motown Philly Sunshine for LA because Vita's <laughs> gonna join it. Girl, you just said something, Vita. Yeah, that's a bar. Whoa, And yeah, I, I just I feel like the the
1: heavy load. Well, we just we never had the tools, male or female, because of. What was purity culture and before to have proper communication and conversations to foster the connectivity to work through the situations but because this infrastructure was play this silent info no silent but not silent infrastructure was in place as though we should because we're not because these things are not happening happening these things are our fault we're not being the man we're not praying enough where oh, we just didn't have the tools to have both of us to have the, the the conversation as to it's not your fault or my fault. It's like what is going on here? Because this is what it should be, and and but this is what it is, and and how can we make it better in the most symbiotic way without saying you not doing your priestly duties? When when the last time we had worship, like like trying to have worship with you because you we, we there's no connection like okay. it's, it's it's it was it's just a whole it was a cycle that really kind of compounded on itself like compounding interest and it was just like and therapy was is taboo It's like nah you just you you just want to go to you want therapy because at the end of the day you just want sex no I, like like mm. those, those could be the conversations. It's, but no, if we were, if connection was there, things would happen the way we, connection, tools, communication, conversations that would foster that connection, and you
0: know, things would be better. You don't need and no. And
2: both shit. people have to want it. Like both yeah, people yeah. have to want it. You yeah, know, sometimes right. I think that's the other part is people. Some someone in the situation isn't being honest. They yeah. don't want to be there.
1: Yep. Well, why not... was it because of conditioning from before? Like it,
2: it might not even be, it might not have anything to do with the other person. It just might be one of those situations where, Hey, we grow, we grew apart. Right. Mm-hmm. I have a friend of mine and they got married really, really young. They're about to get a divorce. Now they got married at like 19. They were on the same page at 19. They were on the same page at 20, 21, 22, but then she went off to college and then she went got went and got multiple degrees. Mm-hmm. And all he wanted to do was be a bartender. And she was like, don't you have dreams? Don't you have goals? What do you want to do? Because like, I just want to support you. It didn't work. <laughs> right. Wow. That because she, 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 it just wasn't for her. Mm-hmm. Then what do you do? She, she's no longer sexually attracted to him. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. What do you do? And then she took her on time to really be honest and say, I just don't think this is working out. I don't want to really want to be here. i want to be with someone who because now that i'm older and i've since i've gone i left south central i see there's something more than our our little neighborhood i want something more and my partner is not there with me right Mm. so sometimes that that, but you don't get to explore that if you don't know how to communicate if you're not taught how to so you're just sitting in this loveless non-sexual relationship that nobody's actually happy in because you're told you know, this the, this is the Christian way, or this is the way God wants And You just not so, so you're not being a man, <laughs> right? Your wife not realizing your wife has just grown apart from you. Mm-hmm. Not that this is anything wrong with you at all. You just right. have different ways that you guys want to approach life now, <laughs> but you can't even explore that
0: if you're just well, taught yeah.
2: something's wrong with you.
0: That's right. And the other taboo, Jason, is you don't need no therapy. You just need to go talk to the pastor. And the last thing you need to do Is go talk to the pastor
2: This man, unlicensed person Who has never studied un- Brain, psychology, un- relationships right. Outside of Deuteronomy chapter 7
0: The best he can do I don't do, even know what
2: that, that chapter says
0: Right. The best he can do is quote you From a scripture That he didn't write From a man who wrote it Who was not married who said husbands love your wives even as christ loved the church and gave himself for it what is, so you then, what does paul know about loving wives bro well for see listen this is a whole other problem with the interpretation <laughs> right i mean vita you know if i write you a letter today and and you tell me you know or, or, or Jason, Jason tells me, Tim, man, I, my wife has a problem with me. She's dissatisfied. She doesn't think I love her enough. And I say, man, you need to love her to the moon and back. You need to do this for her, that for her, blah, blah, blah. I write Jason a letter like that today. And 2000 years from now, somebody finds that letter that I wrote to Jason and says, oh, okay, man, this is what every man in the world is supposed to do. No. Paul was writing to people at a church in Ephesus and they had a problem because the men wasn't really loving their wives. So, I mean, we act like we never heard of hyperbole. Like it's an exaggeration. It's a rhetorical device intended to persuade people and motivate people to live their lives a little better. Maybe the men at the church at Ephesus was a little slow, maybe they wasn't (laughs) really getting it right. Maybe they wasn't really caring about how they wives felt about this or that or whatever. So Paul's like, yo, dog, love your wives like Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. That don't mean you actually got to be crucified, but that's what we teach men in the church.
1: True, You got to be crucified.
0: We teach men that you got to die like Jesus did when I'm scratching my head thinking, wait a minute, I thought he died so I don't have to. Right. But now you coming to me, telling me this too. So, you know, uh, Vita, you could, you would get it. You would crack up laughing and I'm going to describe a scene because Jason knows what I'm talking about. You, You would crack up laughing at the amount of men in Christian churches who are in sexless marriages and who have said things like, you know, man, i ain't even worried about this porn thing you know why because my wife told me internet porn was just fine as long as it kept my hands off of her Uh so i was looking at some internet porn the other day and my son found it and when he found it he said daddy come look at this i went over there and said to him "Ooh, your mama looking at this again (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> now, Vita, there are men in Christian churches who are living like this. They yes. are living this level of dysfunction. And notice what happens. Not only are you living like this, the other part of the purity culture that was directed at men was you better stop looking at porn. Porn is bad. You better stop watching that. Meanwhile, as, as bad as porn is, and I I'm, I do tend to agree with that message, but you can talk about that message all you want. But if you don't fix the problem, all you're going to do is continue to drive men to look at it.
1: Mm-hmm. Or lead a, lead a secret life of doing something else. OK, <laughs> I'm not having sex with my wife. I can't watch porn. I'm about to hide this side chick on the side. And nobody gonna know about it. It's just it creates it creates
0: dysfunction. It's time. Well, I'm, about to, I'm about to get me some singles and go to the club and get a lap dance from Delicious or Cinnamon or whoever. <laughs> right, they won't be able to find that in my in my web browser. Right, because that ain't. I mean, you know, I mean, what kind of you know, Vita, There was a time Jason will tell you this. There was a time when I slept in my house, but I lived in my car. Mm. All of my authentic conversations with people, with him, with my other close friends, with my brothers, they all took place in my car. All I did in my house was sleep, Mm. but I lived in my car. And there's a lot of men who are forced to live that kind of existence estranged from everything when you're supposed to be part of a religion that brings you together that's supposed to support unity and oneness and i think the dysfunctions of purity culture vita have destroyed all of that
2: see i feel like there's so much in what you're saying that and it's it's so and it's so connected to so many other things that it's almost hard to really see like even where do you start with it, right. any of it because it's just right. so much there right um because You're right I do think that there is This and this is This this is beyond just your denomination This is really Almost any uh, Strong religious Judeo-Christian Sort of tradition Which is You know Men are supposed to be fully responsible For The relationship in certain aspects Right of the marriage Marriage is particular right Mm -hmm. Um you're supposed to be in control you're supposed to be the leader um and she's gonna want to follow you if you are that leader if you are in control she's gonna if you are who you're supposed to be she's naturally and magically just gonna fall in line right Mm -hmm. and then guess what women are taught you better fall in line Mm -hmm. right you're taught
1: very patriarchal
2: (laughs) you you don't say right (laughs) right Who who the thought judeo-christianity patriarchal right um this idea that as a woman so you're taught you know the man is a leader you follow you fall in line and your body is his on no side of that is that healthy because on neither side does it feel like a shared experience that we're exploring and connecting and communicating and building together it doesn't feel it feels almost obligatory and then when people don't... When the other person doesn't want to fall in line, the other person doesn't want to do things that way, the person's like, yo, I'm actually not feeling this relationship. I'm unhappy in this situation. I'm sitting in my fucking car, right? Mm-hmm. I want to get out of this. We shame the people who want to get out of it.
0: Right, exactly. That's exactly. Because
2: right. you're just only supposed to be with this one person the rest of your life.
0: Right, and then all, all the guys... Right, all of the guys who... Are also in sexless marriages, then b- instantly become to see they come to see themselves as heroic because they didn't they didn't fall before you did. They hung in there. They're still married, right? Never mind exactly. that quantity and quality are not the same thing.
2: It's the, you know what's so funny you said that women do the same shit. They do wow. the same shit. They will brag about a marriage that they're not even happy in. Well, I'm yep. married. You ain't got no ring. I got a ring. Where your ring at?
1: And they sleeping in separate beds and they ain't barely talking man, to each other, man.
0: right? Man, man, you don't even <laughs> please get. You don't even you don't even really speak to each other at home.
2: Because the goal in a lot of these religious spaces just is marriage, not really relationship, not connection, not
1: and that's what's not taught like purity culture was uh, just turn it inside out and do the opposite because there's a lot of there's a lot of exploration listen there's learning and exploration there just needs to be healthy exploration as best as possible um
2: so that's what I told go for it exactly no exactly and um I know when I was taught that like marriage was extremely like a huge focus when i was growing up in the church that i was in right every other day the the, the well i was raised. like i told you guys this in the previous episode i was raised in the cult so we had a prophet we had to obey and so he Sounds was the one <laughs> <laughs> he would choose who you were gonna marry right um but all a lot of his sermons i noticed were there was always some portion talking was talking about marriage or why you should be married, um, you know, God sending you the right person, and it was always talked about like, like that. It was this magical thing. So another thing that I think creates this sort of underdevelopment is you're sitting and waiting for this magical person, uh, this prophet, this this being to just bring this person to you, right? Just bring him to you. You know, never mind. That now that I'm a now that I'm in my 30s, I realize you know you have a lot of traumas you got to work through you got you know a lot of growing up in certain areas you got to go through you got a lot of things that you have a lot of controlling like having discipline in certain areas in yourself there's so many things you about yourself that go into a relationship it's not just like this magic person is going to come to you and you guys are going to be compatible the rest of your lives and everything's going to be fine it doesn't work that way so Mm -hmm. if the prophet didn't like tell you oh this person is who god told me you're supposed to marry you were just gonna sit there and wait and i remember there were girls in the church who were similar to how i was but i I think they were even more extreme who was just sitting there old there were that wasn't girls there were women they were older than me in their 20s unmarried doing just waiting for the prophet to designate their husband Mm -hmm. but they also weren't doing anything in like in the world that where you would meet people so they were, you know. Remember, you're in this space where everything's a sin. <laughs> so, you're not meeting people. You're not. Even, you're not growing. You're developing yourself as a as a person, as an adult. You know, they, they didn't. You know, they're not even going to school. They're not doing anything that's gonna bring them in a space where they're gonna meet a man that they're compatible with. It's the prophet or God is supposed to magically bring you this person without even thinking about. Well, I have to develop some skills i have to grow i explore then i'll meet this person or and i'll meet someone who i may be compatible with i'll learn i'll explore i'll learn to communicate maybe hey maybe this one didn't work out but there'll be someone else and i look i learned with my previous situation you know like you're not taught that you can date multiple people and learn about yourself you're taught mm-hmm. that this is one person mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> so what i'm hearing you say Vita. And Jason, I can hear you down there in Memphis. You ready to run around your house, because Vita is speaking some real truth right now. Yeah. Which is that there's probably nothing more unhealthy than purity culture. Because of what, because of how the messages it communicates are saturated in anti-black racism, misogynoir, misogyny generally, the kinds of connections that you forge with people are entirely artificial. They're not based on love. They're based on the legalities of marriage. They're not based on any relationships. And then when you get enough dysfunctional people, up to their eyeballs in their own dysfunction and they all come together. Now you got such situations like some of the folk I knew who would say things like, Oh man, you know, Tim, you shouldn't have gave up, man. I'm still married. And I was thinking to myself and you still ain't getting none, and you still just as unhappy as you was 10 years ago. Except now you get to stand up in church and talk about how you've been married for 25 years and the whole church says amen and hallelujah and young you and then you got yeah, then you passing it on to the next generation cuz you got young single people coming up to you saying, "Oh, what's the secret?" The secret is get up out this mess before it kills you. Jay, come on man, you got to talk to me a little bit on this. You know, you know exactly what I'm talking about
1: yeah it's, it's definitely like purity culture is, is basically what you said it's just it's bad for relational health and in, in many ways and it, it's been layered on on, and at a certain time on a certain amount of people during that time on everybody during that time that has affected I remember I read a book in 2000 and before I got married like maybe it was early two. it was early 2000s maybe it was 2001 2000 and so i got married in 20 tw- in 2002
0: what, what what book did you read jason Tell
1: i kiss know? i kissed dating goodbye oh my goodness by josh harris how do i remember that I don't meet i don't remember everything I remember a lot of stuff, but I don't remember everything, but I remember things that are so impactful to me that it just pops up. By the way, Josh Harris, it used to be, a was a, he was a evangelical pastor of a mega church or a huge church somewhere. And he was also an author and who wrote, who, who like that book was like wildfire in the Christian community. Um, especially for those who were thinking, especially for a young youth, young adults. and. Um, he made tons of money off that book. That dude is no longer a pastor. He's a consultant for business <laughs> and he, he does like he does like marketing for, uh, for on online marketing and he goes around, he goes around debunking what he wrote. He's kind of, he's trying to do, he's trying to undo what we know is what we've learned to be Christian culture. But he, he wrote that book that a lot of us read when we're in our early twenties about how to approach relationship and it was it was it was the it was kind of like the holy grail as like kissing like it just was the was the initiation of turning on the sexual juices if you will that would lead you to
0: kissing is a gateway
2: drug (laughs) basically so wait period he he his book he was against kissing
1: I kissed dating goodbye because it was like a it was like a ramping up to like yo let's just stop this dating thing like we out here dating we need to be quoting courting what they say down in the south mm-hmm. they say you say courtin they say courting they say <laughs> courting in the uh, down here in Memphis but they were this is this is so he wanted this like he kind of was he, his ideology was like yo let's put aside dating. Let's just focus on intentionality and let's take the sexual element out of it because it's gonna ramp us up faster. Therefore, if we're ramped up emotionally and sexually, we can't think and now we're making bad decisions. So let's just be really ultra intentional. Let's just guess when we meet somebody who fall- who falls in line with these certain specs, Let's just latch on to them, get to know them, say that you're great, and 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 then let's keep the keep the kissing off the table. Therefore, we're not we're not doing anything else. Um, be careful even about holding hands, but whatever. And then you guys go ahead and
2: get married, and hopefully you make it, buddy. Good luck. <laughs> and you know what's interesting? It also I was thinking as you were talking, it one of the things that that does also and i'm sure this is part of the evangelical and um christian this might have been very intentional the idea they is they pushed to that
1: book I, they yes they it was intentional
2: to, to, it, part well i'm sure there's many intentions one of those intentions is probably to make sure we keep these traditions in house cuz that really limits your dating pool cuz who's, who's going to fall in line with half that shit right so like and I think about that too like, like even when I was taught growing up about sex and dating cuz we weren't allowed really to date right it was, like i said the prophet's supposed to ordain this person mm-hmm. but who's gonna like how many men do you think there were out in the world waiting for this alleged prophet to tell them to marry one of the women in the church right so it got to the, it got so bad that people were completely mismatched and married. like you knew like this was a weird Setup like these two people like their age differences their everything about them was just so uniquely different um so uh, just very different and you're like mm, I, I don't see how anyone would put these two people together they have completely different ways that they look at the world um but it like i said it limits your dating you're, you're, everything has to stay now, pretty much in house. If that makes sense, it's like a way of building your empire inside, right? Um, yep. Because you can't. Who's you, you dead? If you dead outside of that circle, you're probably not going to find too many people who are going to fall in line with no kissing. Like you're, it's you're hard pressed to find somebody who's going to wait till marriage for sex. You're damn sure not going to find anybody who's going to be like, yeah, yeah, don't kiss me either. What?
0: I mean. What- <laughs> what kind of I can't even I just can't I just yeah. can't that's the way <laughs> it was so. that was the way it was though yeah and it's and it's amazing the way the dysfunction just builds on itself right the more dysfunctional you are the more holy you are right and if I resist the dysfunction in any way it's because I'm backsliding. Oh, you must—you must not really be a serious Christian, then, if you want to kiss. You know, because we all know kissing is the gateway drug that leads to heavy petting. Mm-mm. <laughs> and go, what's once, after heavy? What's after heavy petting, chick? And then once you're heavy petting, oh, you're just gonna burn meanwhile the people pushing purity culture are grooming young girls
1: stop it that's a whole other co- another podcast
2: bro I mean,
0: he's saying,
2: he saying some real shit though but that's, that's what's
0: true. going on i mean what i mean what are we really doing this is all this is all hypocrisy it it, it really is now you know why right in a couple of passages in the scriptures where jesus calls the religious people of his day there's one one passage where he called the folks a generation of vipers. That means your mama and daddy a snake. That means everybody, your lineage ain't no good, right? Because you out here cultivating dysfunction and transmitting that dysfunction from one generation to the next, and all the while, because you're unhealthy you because you're repressing your sexual desire. It comes out in all these perverted ways and you end up grooming young people. Wow, man, that that's, is sick. Thanks
1: to every action.
0: Yeah. An
1: equal and opposite
0: yeah, reaction. Man, There ain't nothing healthy about that. I mean, you know, this is this. These are the impurities of purity culture. You know, it's amazing how you set out to do something and achieve the exact opposite of what you set out to do.
1: Because the intent was wrong. Like, it's underbelly. (laughs) It's underbelly was rooted in salaciousness.
0: Because check this out. You never really intended sexual purity anyway. What you intended was white racial empire and what you you controlled. And control what well, but that's implicit in white right, racial. Right, right right you use to put it in biblical language you sold you sowed white racial empire and now you are reaping a bitter harvest of shame, guilt, and hypocrisy mm-hmm. that's that what you sounds get like facts <laughs> And, and, and you have destroyed people's lives. Lives, bro.
1: Generations, right?
0: You got people like Vita talking about she was scared of sex. That is not healthy. Right. It is not me. I mean, I you know, some men in the church, you know, you feel bad because, you know, one dude told me at a men's conference, he was like, man, I seen I seen this girl the other day, man. And I just, you know, I had to go pray and declare fast. I was like, what happened? He was like, man, she was so fine. She walked by, she smelled good. I, you know, I, I got an erection.
1: And, and I think Vita, I as, like, you, as she says that I was scared of sex. And it also says that I'm also a scared of me. Like <laughs> yeah, it, that's what it is. It's, it's like sex, like purity culture has taught us that, that we can't handle us. We, we shouldn't know ourselves. And that we should be fearful of what is sexual, hey, but we're sexual beings.
2: Well, right? how is having an erection a bad thing? Like, in, in what it's a very human it? reaction to it what happens. you experienced, right? It's I would assume. True.
0: I'm not a I, man, but I would assume. <laughs> I felt like a priest in the confessional, man. I told the brother, I said, Man, don't feel bad about that. I was like, that just means you, you know, you still alive. Exactly, Right. You know, you, you ought to be, look, man, you ought to be thankful, okay? <laughs> right, you know, I mean, yeah, man, look, that we so we have just gone so far away. I mean, the things that we have done to people, the way that we have destroyed perceptions of our sexuality. I mean, listen. I'm not going to say you go out there and you have sex with every other person or everything that moves or walks or talks because that's, I think that's reckless, right? But at the same time, you are, uh, you are built even, I mean, even if you buy into the Judeo-Christian tradition, right? You're, you're built, you we're, we're made, I mean, we have sex organs for a reason, right? Mm-hmm. That's why we have them and and uh i think it's up to people to try to figure out how to recover some healthy sense of their sexuality after the devastation of purity culture
2: yeah you, i totally forgot about the impure thoughts thing until yeah. you said that like you know you, you're having impure thoughts you Listen. have to
1: they and, uh, we, Tim and I have listened to sermons how how pastors have chastised women from the front as though <laughs> like because of what they're wearing Tim said it, or alluded to it earlier and I mean whole sermons like we would go to conferences and and big events and that this is a subject matter uh, like, or at least partial subject matter of, like, yo, y'all causing us to fall because y'all out here in these streets with y'all dressed too high and the
2: cleanage oh, out. I'm definitely It's the heard worst that. sermon ever. <laughs> yo, it's, and it's clear, and it's so messed up because what the first thing people do is start looking around to see who he's talking about. Yep. That's the first thing people do. So now you just sat there and humiliated this, the, these, it is usually more than one, right? Mm-hmm. If you humiliated these women because you couldn't keep your thoughts together you know and you'd have like but to me first of all you snitching on yourself but (laughs) you could just kept that to yourself and just did your little sermon you know
1: shannon sharp dry snitching
2: (laughs) (laughs) pretty much right and so i'm just so so And then on top of that, like, I've definitely seen that happen. And then you see the other women in the church, the older women, like, reinforce it, right? Like, you're not supposed to, you're tempting the men in the church. And listen, I'll never forget this. This, I had already left the church that I was raised in at this point. And someone, um, someone I grew up with there, he had left as well, but his mother was still a part of his mother and his grandmother. He had messaged me to tell me something had happened. And he was really upset because he was really angry. So the prophet had basically humiliated his mother and his grandmother. Um, And mind you, these women were like, in particular, his mother was like one of the youth leaders in the church, you know, especially with the boys. Um, like my brother was like she was helped with my brother you know my brother was in one of her like groups or whatever so she and and, and she used to work with the boys that other people in the church didn't want to deal with right like the younger younger boys who were just very running around like middle school age and that's like the tough that's like the group most people didn't want to deal with the middle the middle school boys and she was willing to work with those boys until they were really close to her and so um, she took a picture she was on vacation she took a picture on a boat she took a picture with her mother and they had on hats. They had on, um, I do um, bathing suits um, and like little little coveralls, but they had on bathing suits and little but like little cover things, like things most older women wear when they're on a boat, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. on a beach somewhere, right? Um, but they were covered, like they it wasn't like they had body parts hanging out, even like they were basically covered. But it was the fact that it was a swimsuit. He gets up there, the prophet gets up on stage in the Sunday service. Not even like the Bible study or weekend Or like the other services Tuesday night, Friday Like the mm-hmm. Sunday morning service Humiliates these women And then strips them of their duties In the church Including her responsibility Working with the young middle school aged boys there Who were already close to her You know they saw them like as, as a mother figure You know And um, she was a very kind lady
3: mm-hmm.
2: And so um, It was very hurtful but but merely because she had on a bathing suit, not because she was showing anything, because she had on like a little cover thing, you know, cover ups and stuff. But she just had she had on a bathing suit. She, th- he said that she was a bad example to the youth, an ex- a bad example of decorum and representa- representing the house of God.
1: So much trauma. And
2: even you know, the messed up part is when I when other people in the church were on Facebook putting her down, I was backing her up. And then I pointed out how, and then people got mad at me because I was already had already left, and so people were mad about me saying that. They then she attacked me, the woman I was defending. Is minus is a cult. She felt like I was attacking the prophet. She said she had to take her punishment.
1: I'm just deep sigh on that.
2: But that's an example of how brainwashed this these like people can be, especially. You know, we talk about purity culture. That's she's being she's being shamed for wearing a bathing suit. She wasn't having sex on the boat. She was in a bathing suit, and she wasn't even bare like she had on cover ups. That's how far these people went.
0: Mm. And so now you have to wonder whether or not something like that is just just makes him feel powerful, right? Well, most prophets are narcissists, so yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, just feed feeds into his narcissistic sense of self-importance and I can look at what I can do to you. I can demote you, I can strip you of your credibility. Never mind the fact that relationships have already been cultivated with these people, with the young kids in the church, right? So, it goes to show you in your example, Vita purity culture has nothing to do with being healthy because relationships don't matter the only thing that really matters is the power dynamic that can tell you how wrong you are
2: and <laughs> how much and, of a sinner you are
0: yeah how much of a sinner you are i mean so what so what these little kids so what these kids who have come to know this woman and and see her as an authority figure, maybe see her as a confidant, someone as a who, mentor, as, mm-hmm. as a mentor, right? Somebody who they could talk to if they were in a crisis. Now, all of a sudden, all that's gone. And yet you want to talk about the state that our youth are in, <laughs> so right? Youth are in that condition is because of people like you who really don't care about them, but only care about wielding power so you can show your prowess and
2: they witnessed you basically psychologically abusing her in front of the entire church and emotionally abusing her right like they're witnessing this they're learning from this experience Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so i want to i want to add that too like we, we not just that they're learning as this woman that they respected that they saw as a mentor that they you know um had so much confidence in because you know how hard it is middle school kids are like the hardest group of kids you could ever work with they, they stink <laughs> they don't listen <laughs> they're going, they, they, it's a tough stage because that's like that big transition stage right? where you know, you're a little kid but you're not quite a teenager yet you know and their hormones are going all types of different ways their bodies are changing and they, they're, they're still not quite fully aware of how to move in their bodies yet
3: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they're
2: already getting shamed girls are starting their periods boys are you know balls starting to grow a little hair you know <laughs> <laughs> all these things are happening they just now re- realizing they gotta start wearing deodorant like all these things are happening for them <laughs> That's the, the, true. you know the kids that they used to play with now they got crushes on you know all these things are happening for them and so it's hard to find people who can connect with them at that age. Mm-hmm. And so when you find someone who can do that and then you watch them get abused because they're not pure.
0: And they're then not- you turn around and complain about how there's nobody here to help the youth.
2: Right. It's- because you took someone from their village.
0: Right, exactly. You you took someone away from them. I I I think it's really
1: important to kind of, you know, just reiterate when we talk about what we now know as purity culture whether we knew what that word or phraseology was like the i the idealism of it was not centered around relationship and what was healthy um and what was true and good connection it was the idea of I mean when you think about purity i mean you you think about what is white you think about what is what is perfect and it's just like you you just it's a setup from the very beginning you know to what is unachievable and not focused on human beings and it was from its inception it was doomed to fail and create a mess of things and people and lives and we're all in
0: recovery. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh, oh goodness gracious, boy! Let me tell you, I I stay in recovery. I'm still trying to figure it all out. Mm. So it's it's really something because you you you. There's a passage of scripture that says, "If you sow in tears, you'll reap in joy," and it's almost like we found a way to reverse that. If you sow with the joy of white racial empire, you'll reap the tears of relational dysfunction that becomes generational. Wow. Leave. You talked, to Vita, you talked about, oh, I can't have sex with people because I'm leaving pieces of myself with each person. When the reality is that the impurities of uh, the impurities of purity culture have left many a shattered heart a broken spirit a dysfunctional mind in its wake Mm. right it's left people in their 20s 30s 40s i know some people in their mid to late 40s that are still struggling because they're in the church and they're trying to figure out i gotta fast and pray god's gonna bring me a wife or god's gonna bring me a husband meanwhile like you said vita you got a bunch of untreated trauma I mean, what? Who guy right. gonna to you? Guy gonna bring who to you? And what you gonna do? You gonna screw them up too? Mm. Cause mm. you ain't I, 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 I really think that the best thing I have ever done is get myself some therapy and get myself some kind of help. Because I got, I got a real compliment today, y'all. Uh, I was about to go. Teach class this morning, and a friend of mine, a really good friend of mine, a good, a really good church friend of mine, was uh, who lives in Atlanta, sent a text message to me, and the text message said, "I'm behind on listening to your podcasts, but I just listened to the podcast episode 23 where you told your story, Tim. I don't hear any bitterness. What I hear is a healed man." trying to do everything he can to encourage others. Please keep it up. When I got that message this morning, I I mean, to tell y'all that really brought a smile to my face. Mm -hmm. That really brought a smile to my face. And I can say to anybody out there listening, Jason and I say this all the time, we don't have it all figured out, but what we can do is hopefully say something. And I know today Vita has said a lot of things that can maybe motivate you just to question, why am I doing this? What am I doing this for? What do I hope to gain? Is anything constructive in my life happening? Because I am waiting for the prophet to bring me my spouse. Well, why am I having these feelings? (laughs) Right. Like, like we
1: like. Feelings can be so poo pooed, if you will, um, to in in regards to the human experience, especially as you go through a religion and it's just like your feelings, as Tim often has said Vita, like are like can be a smoke alarm to, to some potential smoke that's going on in the house. right? And if you're taught to ignore that your shit is burning down.
0: Right. I mean, you know, that's what I've said. That's right, Jason. You are feeling our emotions are like a smoke detector. You don't live your life by your by what your, when your smoke detector is going to go off, but I tell you what, if your smoke detector goes off in the middle of the night, you be a fool to ignore it. You stay yes. in the bed if you want to, but you're about to die of smoke inhalation, right? And and I mean, that's why men, women, and Vita, you and I have talked about this too. We have these gender stereotypes where, oh, men aren't supposed to be emotional or women are too logical. No. Every human being has emotions and every human being has a capacity to reason. And we should never allow our stereotypes to prevent us from being completely who we are. hmm hmm Right? I mean, a, a, a man can, yes, a man has emotions. A man can experience them. And yes, newsflash, women are logical. Women are rational. Some of the best women philosophers and lawyers who I know. Some of the best, you know, rational Folks who I know, right Are women, right? Women, it is so we have to get past The gender stereotypes And we have to recognize that The emotions and reason Are all what makes us human beings
2: Yeah And these generalizations That we're, you know, we hear a few men Say something, now we apply it to all men Or we hear a few women say something Now we apply it to all women And that's not reality, you know um, on top of that, something just, just because someone feels one way at a certain time doesn't mean they'll feel that way the next time, the next hour. Our feelings change so much, right? Our emotions can change. How I felt about something today might not be how I feel about it next week. You catch me on the wrong day or catch me on the right day, <laughs> right? Um, so, keeping that in mind. So, I think sometimes we get so get busy being caught up in trying to generalize everybody based off of a little bit of information and we apply it make Mm -hmm. that as though this is a universal truth yeah Mm -hmm. maybe waiting till marriage worked for you in your relationship and i'm very happy for you right and maybe having sex on the first date worked for you and i'm very happy for you but when you try to apply this to everybody as though this is some sort of general rule to how relationships should work Mm -hmm. it doesn't make sense like I always get upset when I see these things like it's like oh she waited for her man he was working at McDonald's and you know (laughs) and she you know she was a chemist at NASA or something and she but she loved him and now he's a billionaire like we don't know anything else about this relationship we don't know what she went through what he went through what he did for her we don't know any of these details but you guys but we have these like we want to make a generalization like see she's not a gold digger she believes in her man look at this great example of a woman we don't know shit about this relationship, right?
0: What or... we know, what we know is that it sounds like a Tyler Perry movie script. <laughs> <laughs> and because we like, and I'm not, I ain't got no, no shade, that's to, the no shade to Tyler Perry. I like Tyler Perry. I like Tyler Perry. Contrary to a lot of black folk, I like Tyler Perry. I like his movies. I'm not throwing any shade at him, but These as terrible, said, so you should be like I, I, I know, whatever. I know, I'm well, you,
2: we'll, we'll talk about it another time. Yeah,
0: but. I mean, you know, I'm not I'm not gonna trash him or his movie. He employs a lot of black people. He he does a lot for, is, for black people. He, I'm
2: glad he employs black people. His movies are still terrible. go ahead. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I just have to take it's, that shot. It's,
0: it's all good. It's all good. But the point is, you're right, Vita. We like a story. So we pick out the elements of the story that we like, and then we have a habit. This is one of the problems we have as human beings. We love to make our experience universal and recommend it for everybody else. Uh -uh. Like it's a one size fits all. Yeah, And it's not, it's (laughs) not everybody. You, you lose sight of the fact that everybody's story is different. Like everybody's you said, journey is different. Everybody's journey is different. You know what I'm saying? I mean, instead of, oh man, I'm getting, ai call this adjacentism. instead of being in the moment and allowing life to happen. There's too many people out there who are trying to impose their will onto reality and make things happen for them the way they want. And then they wonder why they just get frustrated. And one of the reasons you get frustrated is because you can't make other people fit into your story. You can't control other people. Oh, well, I prayed and God told me you was going to be my wife. And the woman is like, really? God ain't told me that. (laughs) And then you walk and then you walk around. You mad now and your feelings. Man, and you mad it because it ain't you know Well, i thought we was going to be together and she's like nah I, I ain't think that where you getting that from man look we just got we got a long way to go y'all long way to go man Mm-mm-mm. but we're getting there we're
1: getting there listen <laughs> we have we keep having conversations like this hey that spark and inspire that give insight that as we talk we kind of we, we glean something from each other that inspires another idea or thought we just we're trying to re- replicate that in everyone who's listening because what they told us <laughs> what they told us was sounds a little bit more like a bill
0: of goods man we sold a bill of goods been, um, sold, been sold a bag of doo doo is what we've been sold. Oh yeah, I think that's probably what I was a aiming for. A great big bag of stank, nasty doo doo.
1: I wanted to, say, I wanted to say this. Y'all know this podcast can keep going, but I wanted to say this. Listen, Vita, you, you said something when you, you when you mentioned the fact that we take uh, small things and we generalize them. Mm. as tim and i were kind of re you know we were in therapy and we were learning about ourselves kind of deconstructing purity culture and a lot of things that we learned in religion we often said and tim you mentioned it earlier earlier in this particular episode when you hear when you hear phrases like happy wife happy life like that thing is that thing is deep in religion right and that's that's said in 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 modern modern culture too but we take those things to heart and we think it's just a little cute saying but it becomes the infrastructure of how we operate and that's just one tim if you could remember a whole bunch more but there's these little tiny euphemisms or cultural sayings, whether it's in a Christian culture or a larger culture abroad, and we take them to heart and they kind of govern our lives. And we, without a thought or idea of this is an
0: unhealthy behavior, especially when you got Steve Harvey reinforcing it, (laughs) talking about men are the hunters and women are the prize. And you got to be out there on the hunt. And Steve Harvey saying everything opposed to what we just said a few weeks ago about the friend zone. Oh, man, and women can't be no friends. A man just hanging around because he waiting for you to... Be... That is about as unhealthy as you can be. Because check this out. She ain't about to change her mind. Right? Maybe you should just try to be a friend. But, you know, we got all of that mixed up.
2: Yeah, and then he... So this... <sighs> he says so much he has, he gives so much bad relationship advice <laughs> that it doesn't even like i don't even think he believes the stuff he says i think he just knows it sells like even like his little he has like this little 90 day rule this really it, and if this keep in mind his audience is the black church right
1: say that again because you you we we have people in our that have been in our church on his show like Anyway, go for it. You are no, that, that's that's his
2: audience. I mean, uh-huh. a lot of people's churches has been on the show. Like a lot of churches, right? Like, that's Sister So What they they doing on Steve Hart? One of it. his characters that he would play on the radio is Sister Odale, right? That's one of his stand-up characters, I believe, as well, right? Who does the morning announcements, right? Um, so that's his audience, is the is the black church audience, especially with his radio show. So this purity culture stuff is in there. And uh, granted, telling young people in the 2000s to not have sex before marriage is probably a long shot at this point. Right. But, (laughs) you know, so his his compromise was the 90 day rule. I hate that thing so much. The reason why I hate the 90 day rule is not because I have anything against people waiting to have sex. I have something against thinking you really have to put this number on it. right like there's a set number of days and then magically you've got the right person that's gonna let you know if this is the right but let me tell you something i i my first relationship was with with a very narcissistic person we didn't have sex for like a year that doesn't make a difference (laughs) right so this belief that um somehow in fact i want to say it was actually it was more than a year i want to say it was two years we did it for two years before we had sex right who knows (laughs) before I had sex I don't know what he was out there doing okay okay I mean I I would I believe I was naive so who knows he didn't I have no evidence I'm just saying knowing him he probably was doing this thing but um and I'm not mad at that we were like we met at like 19 you know (laughs) like it is what it is Mm -hmm. but um This idea that there's this number, there's three months, there's three dates, there's three, none of that's, there's no talk about what the connection is, right? Where do we connect? What do I feel? How do I tell this person I do want to have sex? How do I tell this person I'm not really feeling like having sex? Like, where is that, right? To me, that's, that might happen on date four, that might happen month two, that might happen on the 20th day. We don't know. Right? There's no set number on any of these things, we, but we have to focus on connection and communication. Mm-hmm. We don't even... We're not taught that. Steve Harvey tells people wait 30, 90 days, like that's going to magically mean something. It means literally nothing. It's just 90 days.
0: It's, it's totally arbitrary.
2: It's arbitrary. It's completely arbitrary. <laughs>
0: But, yeah. you know, this is the problem, right? We got people that got platforms who are popular, but who are wrong as two left shoes and the they're problem famous. they're fake, but they're famous and, and they host fam- a game show <laughs> and they host a game show and their fame and their popularity deludes a lot of people into thinking that they're right when they're wrong. And the nice thing about Motown Philly is that we get to carve out a space where we can resist that. Now, I don't know if we're ever going to have a following like Steve Harvey, but what I do know is that as long as we got Vita star in our corner, and as long as I can get on this podcast and have a conversation with her, and a conversation with Jason and Jason can have a conversation with Vita and Vita with Jason and Jason with Tim and Tim with Jason. Man, listen, the sky is the limit. So wow, what a topic, y'all. What a topic. Purity. Mm, we you... just we just scratched it. Like we just it, it was,
1: this was a this was we a just survey, left, if you will.
0: We just left some footprints on the snow on top of the mountain. Mm-hmm. We didn't even We didn't even dig down deeper. So, wow. Well, Vita, thank you, Vita, for being with us this week. You bring a level of insight and professionalism to the Motown Philly brand that Jason and I really don't deserve. But we just want to say thank you for being you and for joining us this this episode. And y'all know y'all who are listening out there. y'all. I know y'all love Vita. I know. Look, y'all better go into the Facebook group and show Vita Star some love because she's worthy of it. No matter what purity culture tells you, purity culture tells you you ain't worthy. That's the other thing. Jason, I love myself. I love myself, <laughs> <laughs> right? So listen, y'all. Uh, Jason, where can they find you, man?
1: Listen, you guys can find me on Instagram at at the speakers mechanic and you can find me on um, where is that? That's that LinkedIn LinkedIn. You can find me on LinkedIn at Jason Hall communication skills coach. That's where I help you with your professional speaking and communication, whether it's for business, entrepreneurship, which is help yourself get that promotion you've been looking for because you are finding it challenging to talk to your Superiors Chick
0: Where can we find you? Ladies first Vita Star Would you like to share With our listeners Where they can find you On your various Social media platforms Definitely
2: Oh yes You can follow me On Life On Twitter At Lifestar Media L-I-F-E S-T-A-R media, You can also follow me On Instagram uh, At Vita Star V-I-D-A S-T-A-R-R um, yeah, those are the places you can find me. Just hit me up. Um, I'm in the Facebook group. I don't go by Vita, but you'll. I'll, I'll. I'll say what's up if you say what's up.
0: All right, all right. Well, y'all can find me on Instagram at a good golden man. You can find me on Twitter at DRTJGoldenESQ esq, and you can find me on Facebook at Tim Golden in Walla Walla, Washington. Three things in life for certain, death taxes, and I guarantee you that I'm the only black man in Walla Walla named Tim Golden. You can take that to the bank. Episode 37 in the books, y'all, one for the ages, Jason Hall, the Motown in Motown Philly, Vita Star, are amazing, incredible, insightful, always on point, co-host not a guest but our co-host today you're only a guest once here Vita. it doesn't matter if you was only here once you're only a guest once you are a co-host from here on out we appreciate you and all that you do hey listen I meant what I said go back and listen to that previous episode on trauma you will hear Vita doing what she does at her professional best so don't miss it listen y'all episode 38 is coming up next week and jason and i will see you there we got a special guest coming up next week and i think y'all are going to enjoy him jason we usually don't do this but i want to wet people's appetite so i'm gonna say this Next next week's episode, episode 38, we'll be having a conversation with the one and only Solomon Jones. He's a syndicated columnist for Essence and for BET, and he's also one for the Philadelphia newspapers. He writes for the Philadelphia Daily News, the Philadelphia Inquirer, and Jason and I are going to be interviewing him about his latest book. By the way, he's the author of 10 Works of Fiction. That's right, 10 works of fiction, and his latest work is a work of nonfiction called 10 Lives, 10 Demands. It's about police brutality and Jason and and the policies that Solomon thinks can help correct it. Jason and I will be interviewing him next week. You don't want to miss that. Vita, Jason, I love y'all so much. It's
2: thank
0: me. you so much for having me, and love you too. Love you right back. Thank you, thank you, Jay. Oh man, it's about to get real teary out of here, in Motown. Yo, for my Philly people, it's about to get real teary out of this joint, <laughs> man. Yo, we finna holler at y'all next week. Peace. We out. We out of here, like Vladimir. Later.